Cruise Control streams live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us live on Facebook and YouTube. Details are in this podcast's episode information. This is Cruise Control. Control. Your on-air automotive magazine with co-hosts Fred Staub and Les Jackson. Control. Everything you need to know about new and used cars. Control. Industry news. We'll fix or repair your car on the air. Control. Fasten your seatbelts and let us take the wheel. Now, your ride is about to begin. Control. Because you're on Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Yes, yes, indeed. Welcome, everybody, to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. I, as usual, am Les Jackson. Well, I, I guess I always am. And uh, <laughs> over there at the other chair is Fred Staub. <laughs> hey, Les. And, and we are cozy in the, in the command center. It's nice and warm. That's right. We have uh, the coffee brewing somewhere. <laughs> and, is that, is that like it's five o'clock somewhere? No, it's it? five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, and uh, we've got just a just a huge amount of uh, very different and very informative stories. So let's get going. Yeah, well, Les, we're going to start this hour with change at the top. This story goes way back since 1931. General yep. Motors has been the lead manufacturer of vehicles in the U.S. The best-selling manufacturer of uh, of vehicles in the U.S. Now there's a change at the top. Toyota takes the flag. Toyota, after 90 years uh, of GM dominance, uh, is now the number one uh, auto company. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, good for them. You know, uh, great company. And another great company, VW, uh, say they still need the Jetta. In the U.S., I agree. I think it's a really great car. And uh, they announced the reveal date for, we've talked about this, uh, the Volkswagen Buzz van. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that are ready to put down some dollars yep. on its short yep. little hood to uh, buy that. They're excited about that. Then we're going to talk tech less. You know, when we first talked about this story a couple of months ago, we were like, what can it be? You know, but... It's true. BMW has a car that will change color at the push of a button. We have footage yep. to prove it. I saw. I saw the footage. Uh, I still don't believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but it's there. And uh, speaking of don't believe it, uh, if you get a car loan, and who doesn't? Uh, boy, there's an awful lot you need to know. There are just so many ways you can get cheated. Uh, and Consumer Reports investigative journalist uh, Ryan Felton is going to join us a little later. They've done an extensive uh, research on this, and he's got a lot to talk about. Yeah, it sure does. We're going to have some tips for you. If you are buying a vehicle or thinking about financing a vehicle, these are things to watch out for. Ryan will be by. Tell us all about that Consumer Reports um, investigation. I think it's a good one. All that and more when we get rolling on this edition of Cruise Control Radio. And a little later on, Les, we're going to talk about the Silverado EV, which was a big reveal yeah. at the CES show out in Las Vegas. They didn't know whether that would be able to be pulled off by the COVID uh, situation, but 
It was, and we will tell you about it. We have a great interview and more coming up on Cruise Control, Mm -hmm. your on-air automotive magazine. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. We'll be right back. Cruise Control is your on-air automotive magazine. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. We hope you are ready for some great automotive information because we've got plenty of it, Les. And we're starting off with a story about Toyota becoming the top manufacturer automotive manufacturer in the U.S. GM has held that title since 1931. I don't know who held it before that. Probably Ford, I would imagine. Well, probably right? Ford, sure, with uh, Model T, Model A. Yeah. But uh, this year, or for the sales numbers of 2021, Toyota has announced it sold 2.332 million vehicles last year. And uh, that bests GM's 2.218 million vehicles in 2021. And that was a 13% decrease on GM from the prior year. I kind of think this boils down to chips. Basically, Toyota found a way to stockpile the chips or was in a much better position uh, when this came along to... um, to have these chips to build the vehicles. I mean, if you can't build the vehicles, remember, we had many manufacturers building vehicles and partially building them, just setting them aside, right? That's right. Um, And, you know, when they're set aside, you're not selling them. You're not booking the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toyota just, you know, they planned ahead better. And then uh, didn't GM have a strike uh, during this year, uh, last year, I think it was last year, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And of course, shutdowns for, for COVID and that, but Toyota had some of that as well. Um, the thing is what will happen when chips come out, uh, and we start getting more chips, will Toyota be able to hang on to this? They certainly have a powerful lineup of vehicles. They have a fresh lineup of vehicles, but then again, GM, is coming out with a lot of exciting vehicles. One you and I talked about this week, the Silverado EV. Um, they're kind of transitioning to electric vehicles. Um, what do you think? It, it will be kind of a seesaw battle, I think. I think so. Um, but, you know, don't... Maybe it won't be so so quick. Um, I think Toyota's going to hold on to this for... I'm thinking a year or two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, you know, let's remember, too, some of those vehicles that GM is bringing out that are electric are going to be very expensive as well. And uh, Toyota has some great vehicles that are in the thirty, forty thousand $40,000 range, right. which is <laughs> soon to be <laughs> inexpensive vehicles, believe it or not. I think overall the price of vehicles is going to go up. But... Uh, it really, I think this number boils down to chips. If you can't finish the vehicles, if you can't finish building the vehicles, uh, you can't sell them. It's as simple as that. Uh, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, now, one uh, manufacturer that has kind of uh, 
done a good job during the chip crisis and during COVID and all of that is Volkswagen. They, too, have a lot of new product coming out. Of course, they released the ID4 electric crossover. They have the Buzz uh, coming out, which we're going to tell you a little bit about when that is going to be coming out. Their electric van bringing back the VW bus. But um, Car Buzz was speaking to VW North American President Scott Kellogg, and um, he uh, talked about why the Jetta is still needed uh, in the lineup in the U.S. Now, you would say, oh, well, they just want to get rid of all sedans and you know, that's it. We'll do all crossovers. Uh, and a matter of fact, they have gotten rid of the Passat. That is, whatever's around is around. That's it. They're not going to build the Passat anymore or sell it in the U.S. Uh, but Scott says that the Jetta remains in the U.S. lineup because it is affordable. It's a good quality product, and it starts at a $20,000 MSRP, which yep. is attractive to many people. You can even get... The Jetta GLI, which is a uh, a fun vehicle to drive, for thirty one thousand dollars, which believe it or not is a deal these days, isn't it, Les Jackson? <laughs> it seems to be a really good <laughs> deal these days, which is sort of depressing. Yeah, uh, and the Jetta, you know, the Jetta is a is a good size car. It's it's not a compact. Um, I like it. Yeah, and it also it has a lot of safety features. You have yep. a lot of different trim level options. It's got great trunk room, um, and it's got a lot of the technology on the inside. So I think it is something that people really, when they go looking at prices, I think uh, a lot of people might say, wow, I can't get a crossover, but maybe I can get this yep. Jetta and, uh, and go from there. Hey, when we come back, we're going to tell you about another VW vehicle that it will go for more than $20,000. I'm sure that's the VW Buzz. It is their next take on the VW Bus. So stay tuned to Cruise Control. We'll be right back. I'm Fred Staub. He's Les Jackson. Stay tuned. And welcome back to Cruise Control. We are your on-air automotive magazine. I'm Les, he's Fred, and we promised before the break that we would talk about the uh, the, the upcoming VW Buzz. This is the ID Buzz, the, uh, 21st century version of the iconic Volkswagen bus. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be electric. And it's really cool looking. The renderings we've seen. Yeah. Now uh, it it, it you was just want to drive it. It was uh, revealed. I'll call it the concept back in 2017. So there's yeah. a long waiting time for it. Its official debut date March 9th of 2022. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a big deal. I think so. I think uh, a lot of people I know are interested in this thing. There's going to be a, uh, a what we used to call a panel van, which will mm -hmm. have uh, enclosed sides for for using it as a you know a delivery truck or whatever. There's going to be a camper. Uh, they've announced the yep. California version, which is what sells in Europe as the uh, camper with the the bed that flips up. We don't know if that's coming to the U.S. 
I think they'd be foolish not to bring it to the U.S. But uh, it is, uh, it's going to be exciting. And do you think they will bring out a version with all those windows? What is it? The 22 windows? I don't, I don't see how they can avoid it. Um, <laughs> it's, it is just so sought after. And as you know, if you, if you have one of those 23 window vans, even in basket case condition, they're worth about 30 grand. I know. I know. We have a friend at one of the manufacturers that has one, uh, and uh, James Bell from Kia, and he mm -hmm. always features it in his videos when he comes on and discusses new Kia models. Um, and we always ask him, is that a new Kia model behind you? Is that something uh, you <laughs> want to share with us? But uh, a little bit of information it's going to have batteries ranging from 40 watt kilowatt hours to 111 kilowatt hours. Uh, a 201 horsepower single motor rear drive setup. And then there will also be dual motor and all wheel drive versions. So we're going to see a lot of options here. Certainly many more options than uh, the VW bus had originally. Uh, so we'll have to wait till March, but it's coming. It's interesting, uh, Herbert Deese announced this, the uh, VW Group chairman, and he says the legend returns on 030922, and he says, to be clear, this is not September 9th for, our, for any overseas readers. In America, the month is listed first, not second. Where will this be built? Will it be built in the U.S.? I believe so. I believe it is built in the U.S. I think it is, yeah. So uh, we will... Uh, probably see this built in Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee. So, um, also, boy, well, there'll be a lot of orders for that. I think there will. I think there will. You think anyone will like customize it like vans of the past with flowers and oh, stuff? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Paisleys and flowers and all that and more. You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> well, let's talk a little text, shall we? Less. Um, this was revealed uh, at the uh, at the show and uh, CS show in Las Vegas, and you might say, "Oh, well, that's neat. Some kind of uh, post production trick on those uh, on that video uh, to make the car appear to change color." Nope, it actually does change color on its own. BMW had talked about this, and now it is real. It, it uses electro phoretic technology and this is actually a wrap that is on the car uh so you could theoretically add this to any car when it becomes available um but it is quite amazing to see this thing change now we have footage from bmw but i also saw some footage on the web of them backing the car around in a parking lot just regular video and it was even more dramatic. I think they should have just had it outside and just showed it change color. Many uses for this, of course, inside and outside uh, capability for this uh, wrap. They call it uh, e-ink e technology. And uh, you think about how this could be used. There's actual... Uh, ways of using this where you could, let's say, um, it's a sunny day and you could make the hood black so it didn't reflect into your eyes. Or it's a hot day and your black car is getting too hot, so you could change the roof to white. Think about that, Les Jackson. 
Well, uh, that's pretty cool. The other thing, of course, is that you could rob a bank and uh, change the color as you get around the corner. <laughs> and everybody's looking for a white car. Well, the other thing I thought of is a lot of friends that drive race cars have always said, well, I want to change sponsors for different races. Somebody yeah. only wants to sponsor me for one race. And then now I have to get the car rewrapped. I got to get it repainted. Uh, and that takes a lot of time and money. Well, what about this? Eventually they'll be able to project video on this. I would imagine. And, oh, yeah. and you can say, well, you get the, you know, you get, let's say if it's a drag race, you can uh, be my, sponsor for the qualifying session on Saturday. And then if you want to pay more, you would uh, pay for that, uh, you know, on the Sunday race. Uh, it, I, it, think of this trucks advertising, you know, those big trucks, they drive around with the big heavy screens on it. Yep. You don't yep. need that anymore. You could put this on every box truck. Um, the other use of it, I think, um, and I thought this was supposed to happen sooner than later on big high trucks, they're supposed to have a screen on the back so you can see what's in front of the truck for light stoplights and things right, like that. Right. This yeah. would be easy to do. It's like a decal. You could it. Yeah. Sure. It's like a decal. So um, I think. Now, do, do we know if if right now it's just the black and white or are there other colors? As far as we know, it is just the black and white and sort of a geometric texture pattern. So uh, I think this is just the beginning of this. Uh, it can be controlled with a controller inside, and there are millions of what they call paint capsules in the custom wrap. Electrophonetic coloring is based on a technology by e-ink, and that's well known for uh, displays used in things like e-readers. So it, I think uh, white or black pigments right now, that's what it is, white or black pigments you can sure though this is going to expand and get bigger oh yeah and we're just seeing the beginning here i think virtually every vehicle you could have racing stripes on this thing you could have all kinds of things um that could change and uh i think i think that's something we're going to see a lot more we're just it's just you beginning. could probably uh you could, you could probably write on it you know you'll be able to type in uh, you're you're following too close. <laughs> potential for potential for people to get in trouble, but uh, yeah, there there you have it. That's our our talking tech uh, cool. for this week. Pretty cool. Uh, it actually was a lot better than I thought it would be when we first described this. We heard about this that this was coming up. I thought, yeah, yeah, and we we have to see this in person. I suspect it's even more dramatic. Well, as I said, I saw footage of it just in a parking lot. Someone was backing the car up, and when they when it changed colors, everyone standing around went, "Whoa, what just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, "It, it almost looked yeah. unnatural. It almost looked unnatural." So, hey, uh, when we come back, cool. we have a great guest coming up, Ryan Felton, who is an investigative journalist. He's going to tell us about uh, a. Uh, he did for Consumer Reports, a car loan investigation. 
There's a lot of hijinks going on out there uh, when you come to finance a car or truck, and we think you should know about it, especially if you're going to be going out and financing a new vehicle. Ryan's got some great findings from this uh, study from uh, for Consumer Reports, so he's going to join us after the break. Stay tuned to Cruise Control, and don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and all that and more. Stay tuned. We are live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us on Facebook and YouTube. Details are in this podcast's episode information. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. I'm Fred Staub. He is Les Jackson. And if you are a longtime listener or viewer to this show, you know we like to give you tips when it comes to buying a vehicle, what vehicle to buy, everything about the buying process. And that's what we're going to do today because Consumer Reports did an uh, investigation about some uh, things going on, let's say, with car loans, less that uh, are a little bit concerning or a lot concerning. And uh, Ryan Felton, who works for Consumer Reports as an investigative journalist, has been on this we want to welcome Ryan to Cruise Control. Ryan, welcome. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, let's talk about this Consumer Reports car loan investigation. How did it all get started? I mean, you're an investigative journalist, and obviously something came across your desk, and you were like, wow, this is this is big news. Yeah, um, I uh, I had been covering auto lending for some time at, at my last job, and it's um, you know issues related to personal finance uh, decisions, especially when it comes to what can be one of the biggest assets for uh, some folks. You know, the, when it, talking about their car, um, you know, it's it's a it's a big deal, and you know those given that such a big deal, it, it's just a very um, obvious uh an easy story for someone you know like me who has an interest in it to gravitate toward um especially at a time when auto lending is through the roof i mean i'm sure you guys are familiar with the numbers uh, the yeah. most recent is is the i think i saw used car payments are now averaging above 520 or something like wow. that i mean it, it, it's wow um so so yeah i mean when you when you generally have an interest in these things um it, it, it's just such a, uh, 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 a compelling story to understand just because it, it's, um, you know, bur burden is a relative term given to, you know, certain aspects of a particular person's life. But, you know, I think it's fair to say car can be um, uh, an enormous burden financially um, for, for a lot of folks, be it, you know, buying a used car or um, trying to take on a new car payment uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, it's an important asset and it's a costly one. And so, um, you know, there's always a lot to unpack, I think. And uh, it's always going to be an ever evolving story. So that's another reason why I find it interesting. Let's uh, start out by just telling everyone uh, how big the, uh, the auto loan industry is and how much money is owed to these banks and sure. whatever the financial is staggering. Yeah. Um, you know, so about 
uh, around the time of the Great Recession, it was you know somewhere around 700 billion, 800 billion, and that number uh, of total auto loan debt outstanding. So just um, you know the, the the amount of money that that Americans owed, um, and uh, since that time, that number you know has grown uh, to now. Uh, I haven't checked the most recent figures, but the ones that we cited in the report that were most recent at the time, um, it was north of 1.4 trillion. Wow! Which so is, um, yeah, and that's double. you know that mm. yeah, it's it, it's equivalent to the gross domestic product of of, of Australia. So um, <laughs> you know we're we're, wow. we're holding on to a lot of auto loan debt, um, and you know there's there's many major banks and lenders and finance entities involved but you know there's there's a lot of when you take into account used car dealers that do their own financing i mean there's a lot of companies that are in this field as well it's a very big industry and let's think about this let's put ourselves in the pick the seat of someone buying a vehicle they're more excited about the vehicle maybe they don't do the research on the financing You go into the dealer, you're excited. Wow, look at all this. You get your free cup of coffee. <laughs> but, sure, yeah. And it's all a game. And then, wow, here comes here comes all the financing stuff. Now, you've got some takeaways here from your study. And uh, what what let's talk about them. Number one, similar consumers got very different loans, which you would think they'd just be looking at people. It's like, hey, here's what you make. Here's what you can afford. But that's not the case, right? Yeah, and you know the limitation is that we had to work with the data that we had. So you know we had a lot of important, you know what what you know I understand and most people in the industry would understand to believe important variables. Uh, you know we had the credit score, the amount of money uh, that they er- were estimated to earn each month. Um, you know how much equity was in the car at the time it was originated. Uh, in the loan at the t- excuse me at the time it was originated the make model year um you know lots of really informative things but you know there there are a couple things that aren't included um the borrower's uh, gender their race um exactly where they live beyond you know at a more narrow scope than the state so you know i think that's one of the caveats is there are some limitations whenever you're looking at something um but that said you know, given that we did have all these important variables. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there was enough, you know, we had enough that, you know, is confident enough for us to say that, it, you know, there's some striking examples of folks who would appear, I think, to the normal average person to be very similar, um, but wind up wound up having completely different terms. Um, for example, uh, the one of the cases that we cited, there was two California residents who went out to buy a 2017 Chevy Trax. Uh, they both had, were in the same credit score range. They both earned about the same amount of money. Uh, both had about the same amount of equity in the car. Um, and yet one got a, an APR of, I believe somewhere between four and 5% and the other got an APR of uh, around 14%. And that wow. came from the same lender. Wow. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, um, it's, it, it, you know, obviously you're going to see variability against different types of lenders, but, you know, when we started seeing that sort of broad scope uh, among the same lenders, you know, it does raise a lot of questions as to, you know, what could be driving that. Now, one of the th- things that people aren't, maybe aren't aware of, um, is that when you go to buy a car, uh, the, the F&I 
manager, finance and insurance manager at the dealership is the person that you're given off to by the salespeople. Yeah. And that person is heavily commissioned on how much money they make on the loan. Right. And the dealership gets basically a, a commission from the bank right. or the financial institution. So there are, you know, th this example you had of the person getting the 14% loan, uh, th there's some predatory practices going on to stick people with uh, higher rates. And, you know, it, it's legal. Yeah, it, it, it's bring, wrong, it brings us I think, but. to number two that you found dealers and lenders may charge what they think they can get away with. So someone's sitting across from you and they say, hey, she's nicely dressed. He's nicely dressed. Seems like uh, they might be able to afford more car. So maybe they can afford more uh, interest. Is that? Yeah. So, you know, what to, 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 to Les's point, I mean, what uh, I think there's a couple words for it, but the, the general term is dealer markup, which is the, the, the fee that they get, uh, the dealer gets for basically arranging the loan for a customer. Um, there, there was a lot of, of litigation and uh, regulatory action in the 2000s and 2010s to kind of go uh, to, to address dealer markup. And so if you ask a lot of the lenders and industry groups, they would say this is capped at, you know, an extra one to two percent on mm -hmm. the APR. And it's not as significant as people might um, believe. But, you know, if you the, those are figures to, you know, it's hard to verify that because that's not publicly available information to your point. Right. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, one one thing when we're, you know, when we were looking at this is to, you know, what's a big um, thing that sticks out? And I, you know, the F&I manager, the, the loan that gets selected, I mean, one of the big things that uh, consumer advocates have long raised concerns about is um, the dealer may work with multiple lenders right. and they may get multiple offers for the same individual, but they don't have to show you right. all of the offers. Yeah. Right. So, that gives a particular dealer the opportunity to look at what loan they think they could make the most money on. Right. Um, you know, for example, there's a company called Credit Acceptance Corporation. They typically work with um, lower credit scored consumers. Um, when they patented their pricing system in the patent, they actually say uh, this will allow dealers to pick the most profitable loan for them. <laughs> Um, wow. So, you know, that that's, you know, that's one lender. That's not to say every lender, you know, functions that. that way. But, but, um, you know, that the reality of the system, the way it's designed is that they don't have to show you every single loan. And so right. when they tell you this is the best that we can get, um, you have to take the word for it. It's the best you'll get. That's the best we're going to give you. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Yeah, we're going to give you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, when we come back, we're going to stay with uh, Ryan and talk a little bit more about his Consumer Reports investigation, about what's going on with loans. Great information if you're going to buy a vehicle anytime soon. I'm Fred Staub. He is Les Jackson. Ryan's going to stick with us, so stay tuned to Cruise Control. We're going to have some tips for buying what you can do to control this situation, too. Cruise Control is your on-air automotive magazine. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. 
Cruise Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control. We've got Ryan Felton, who is an investigative journalist for Consumer Reports. We're talking about some of the findings uh, he came up with uh, when doing his piece for Consumer Reports about loans, auto loans. And uh, Ryan, you just said something right before we came back in. You did a piece and you found out that somebody has gotten the highest APR that I've ever heard in my life for a loan. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, as part of the story, the, the reporting, I mean, one thing that we wanted to home in on was, you know, what the landscape was for uh, laws governing interest rates. Um, there's no federal interest rate limit for auto loans. So it's left to the states. Uh, so we went out to all 50 states and asked the, uh, the regulators, the relevant regulators to you know, provide us insight as to what uh, their relevant laws were. And um, you know, in some cases, there's my, you know, decent limits, like stricter limits. Um, I, would, I would say stricter instead of decent, um, you know, for example, as low as uh, 15 to 17% in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, in some places, though, there's no limit at all. Um, and, you know, even in places where there are limits, uh, for example, we interviewed someone, uh, in Nevada, which has a 40% APR limit, uh, but on the loan that they got, uh, it, it actually carried a 75% APR, oh um, which I, I just, I'd never heard of something like was, that. For, was this, uh, uh was this, was this from a legal source, uh, of, of lending yeah, here? <laughs> it, yeah, it was, uh, it was a legitimate dealer that had their own financing uh, operation in-house. And um, yeah, they, uh, they it's, was written plainly into the contract. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know there are some folks who may say, well, it's on the borrower, um, you know, to uh, make their own uh, appropriate decision as well. But, you know, in some cases, especially when you're talking about consumers who are relegated to these types of dealers, um, you know, they need a car. Uh, they, they don't have the time or the, the, the resources to seek out the best deal. Right. Um, so, you know, that, 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 that is definitely, you know, and I, I, the, 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 the fellow I, I talked to you, I mean, he says much, he's like, you know, he knew it was a lot, um, but you know, some people, they just need a car. Um, wow. And so that's, uh, you know, where I think some issues can exist when you have, uh, such a, uh, a significant proportion of the country that, um, you know, doesn't really have uh, much in the way of, of limiting some of these higher uh, rates that you know, we, we've seen in reporting all of this. Well, Boy, what, it would almost be cheaper to rent a car than it <laughs> yeah, would Yeah, I think so. Buy, or go to a loan shark. <laughs> that sounds like a loan shark at 75%. Better. I mean, it plays into a couple of more of your findings. Many people were given loans they can't afford, Ryan, and then uh, yeah. there was no income verification. What's what's the point of doing that? Because you're just going to have to go and get the car because they're not going to be able to pay for it. Yeah. Um, you know, in some case, I mean, in terms of what's the point of not doing that, I mean, I think the reality of the biggest distinction between your car and your house is it, it's it's pretty easy to go fetch a car if you, if you need it to be repoed. Um, and, and so I think that there's, um, you know, less of a concern on the part of the business and whether, you know, they'd be able to recoup when you're talking about some of these larger lenders that we were looking at because, um, you know, they, uh, 
they're they're able to go find a car if someone's not paying it. Um, it it's right. uh, there's there's plenty of uh, there's a repossession industry that exists for that very reason. Sure. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I, I I think we were definitely surprised to see that income ver and employment verification was so low. Um, you know, I think the main comment that I heard from those who responded to that, uh, companies and groups that responded to that was, well, we have all these, the, the, these proprietary systems that are able to really look at one's credit right. applications. So, you know, we have all these other ways of checking to make sure, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's enough, uh, we, we found plenty of examples in the story where the lack of income verification on the back end. Um, could could really um, impact some consumers. Like one woman, single mother from Oklahoma, needed a car. Um, I can't remember if she was on disability or social security. I think it was disability, but got about eight hundred bucks a month. Oh, um, the you know in income and took on a car that uh, ended up having like a three hundred dollar payment or two three hundred dollar payment. I can't remember exactly, but the point is. The dealer reported on their credit application uh, without them knowing, uh, according to the lawsuit that she filed, uh, that she made fifty five hundred dollars a month. Oh, God. So, you know, it's just fraud. right. So, you know, if you if you're doing that verification on the back end, then maybe you catch that. And then the woman doesn't have to go through, you know, on the, you know, the process of falling behind and losing her car, and, and you know, the, the detrimental impacts that happen as a result of that. So, yeah. Wow. Well, so. Go ahead, Les. I, I think we should well, get to I, some yeah, tips, too. I think we can draw at least one conclusion here, and, <laughs> and that is if someone is commissioned uh, for what they do, for what they sell, for what they provide, the likelihood of, of them making decisions that are in their favor of making the most money is extremely high. So... We want to, for instance, the the uh, the, the uh, wealth management, uh, per, you know, finance advisors. You'll find that all across the board, they sell annuities because that they make the greatest commission doing that. Uh, they're not fiduciary. But the, what do we do? What do we tell people to to right. how to avoid getting right. screwed? Frankly, yeah, um, I you know I I sorry I don't mean to cut, I didn't mean to cut you. Oh off no no I don't yeah go ahead. Um, you know I think one of the biggest things is is if you can um, obtain financing from a local bank or credit union before going to the dealer. Mm -hmm. So then you show up and you say this is what I'm approved for. This is what I can spend. Um, I'm not going above that. Um, so then that that immediately will push out, you know, not immediately, but, you know, because there's obviously many ways I think that uh, uh, tactics that can be used. But the whole point of doing that is then you're preventing the p possibility of um, needless add ons being packed into a loan, right. for example. Um, you know, they they don't have the incentive to do that because you already have the loan. Um, so that's number one. And, and I think the, the biggest thing is if you need to go through a dealer or you want to go through a dealer because of the convenience of it, um, to, to not just focus on negotiating the monthly payment. Um, I think, you know, most people don't realize or don't remember or but they they don't negotiate the terms. Um, and, and you can, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing, you know, telling, uh, tell, no one's telling you you can't. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that I think is, uh, something that 
could benefit a lot of people. Um, you know, there was a study done that I thought was just so interesting about how counterintuitive people act in the process and uh, car buying process. And the, the findings were that people essentially act as if they would, uh, it's, it sounds confusing when you say it, but they would uh, take $1 off the price of the car and in exchange, they would pay 86 cents more overall. <laughs> So, so they're feeling good about getting the yeah, dollar off, right. but they're actually in effect paying more because they're not sure. focused on it. Right, right. And that's huge. And, uh, and, that's and, huge. and and there are games that goes on that you're, like I say, you're at the dealer, you're excited. Oh, the, look at this brand new car, all this stuff and all this other things you can add to it. And, and oh, it's only right, $20 more a month to add the floor mats in or whatever. You end up spending way over what, you have to spend to buy whatever you're looking at. And it has to be a, almost a totally emotionless, like I always say, you should go in and there's a, a red Corvette and you really wanted red. And the guy's like, well, we got one here. Yeah, you should say, I, I really wanted a black Corvette, but I guess uh -huh. I consider red. You never seem happy, never seem uh, pumped up, just like, okay, yeah, I guess, you know. Uh, it's all about yeah. doing homework too, and uh, I think that's what we're about here on Cruise Control. You got to come in and know what you're buying, what it should cost. And yep. Ryan, uh, you did that with financing. You've raised some great points. We're going to put your whole report up, your consumer reports report up on our website. So Ryan Felton, we appreciate you being on Cruise Control. Time for me to say I'm Fred Staub. I'm Les Jackson. We're going to see you down the road. Bye. Cruise Control streams live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Watch us live on Facebook and YouTube. Details are in this podcast's episode information.